Somebody call 911! Show me the They have no idea where we are, who we are, where we're coming from, or who we're throwing to. Because we know when we add up all those inches, that's going to make the difference between winning and losing. Welcome to First and 30. I'm Nick. And I'm Antonino. We're two 30-something-year-old guys who take the best ultimate reality television show in this hemisphere, American football, through four uncensored downs of mostly unbiased opinion and some analysis. In a game broken down into 10-yard segments, we take it with you one step at a time. That's first and 30. Let's Let's go go for it. it. Tuesday, Thanksgiving week, Turkey Tuesday, if you will. Uh, appreciate all the listeners that were able to tune in for the inaugural First in 30 episode last week. And Antonino, the podfather, that was coming up from some of the feedback that we were getting. How, how's that sticking with you, man? The, the podfather, a new nickname, new new podcast. It's all coming at us pretty quickly. But what, what's your impression on that? Is, is that something that's standing out with you? Man, I think it. Uh, I think it's stuck. It's not so bad. I think it must have been all the Tommy DeVito talk that we had. Um, I think it rubbed off on some people. But uh, let's not forget the nickname. I think you got it was. Mm. If I'm don't correct me if I'm wrong, but it was the voice of radio, which is very fitting. Very very fitting, actually. The voice of radio coming at so you. So good. Yeah, yeah. I, I I like it. It's uh it's humbling. It was it was really cool though, man. To get a lot of the feedback that we got last week, we did kind of a a soft intro just sent it out there to those we know and we uh we got quite a a large listenership after the the first week of first and 30 so excited about this second week and uh kind of tying things together and we'll we'll do this at the end you know with the formula but i'm thankful man i'm thankful for the the podcast and thankful for all the support that we received uh, it definitely gave me motivation to want to continue doing this project with you so uh, I'm looking forward to the discussions that unfold here today. So first down, high hopes. Hi ho, hi ho, it's home from we go. We're going to look back on this past Sunday again for those that maybe not did not listen last week, but we're going to examine and discuss the best thing we saw. So along the lines of high hopes, Antonino, I hope you don't mind. I'm going to kick it off with Denver riding high at mile high. What are your impressions of the Denver Broncos? Four straight wins now, uh, beating the Minnesota Vikings and ending the Dobbs Cinderella story, at least for this moment. If we're going to go with high hopes, where we're higher to go than Mile High Stadium, where uh, not only the team plays Mile High, but all the people watching are probably uh, high as well. Uh, <laughs> let's uh, let's just let's just say it as it is. Let Russ cook. The man is playing out of his mind. He's doing what. Russell Wilson does. He's won a Super Bowl. His clutches can be in the fourth quarter. He's being efficient. He's protecting the ball. No turnovers. 
And uh, I think with the compliments of Sean Payton, who's changing the culture, I think they might be on to something. Um, but I know everyone tends to remember one game from this year, and I think you might know which game I'm alluding to. That 70-point beatdown against the Miami Dolphins. I, I'm glad you brought that up, though, Antonino. You kind of served that up on a silver platter. The Denver defense, though, has turned things around. So their DVOA, so the defensive adjusted value over average. Don't don't ask me anything else about this statistic. I know very little, but negative is good, positive is bad. Leading up to this past four-game winning streak, Denver's DVOA was at 38.4%, which is 32nd in the NFL. So quite literally, they, they were ranking as the worst defense, uh, rightfully slow. Uh, any team that gives up 70 points, I think you can chalk that up as being a pretty uh, mismanaged and poor run defense. However, in this four-game winning streak, Denver has turned things around in large part due to their defense. Uh, now at a negative 4%, which is ranked ninth in the league in terms of DVOA, that's a negative 42.4% difference, uh, which is the best differential in the NFL. So, you know, you can give Russ some of his, you know, cooking credentials. I, I know seven TDs to zero interceptions. He's averaging a little under 200 yards a game in those four games. But 74% of his passes have gone for completion. So he's been efficient. Uh, but it's sounding like you are pretty confident. You're riding high with these Broncos. Yeah, yeah. I think people aren't giving them enough credit. Um, they started off one and five. We know the winning streak, but the first one against the Chiefs, well, Mahomes was sick. Okay, fine. Then they beat Buffalo, but that was the Josh Allen turnover game. So at what point are we going to start giving these guys credit for getting a win? They just beat the Dobbs Cinderella story. Minnesota was up by two scores. At some point, we have to give credit where credit's due. Although they might not win pretty, they win. And in the NFL, a win is a win. That's what I like to always say. And if we look ahead, they got the Browns at home this week. Very winnable game. Mm. Um, things get a it's little tough. rough after that, but uh, they end with the Patriots, Chargers, and Vegas. Three winnable games. So out of their next six or so games, they could get four wins right there. They could potentially sneak into that seventh spot for the wild card or, you know, eighth, whatever it is. I, I'm looking at them right now, and if we're, we're breaking down the current playoff contenders – you have, as of now, in terms of wild card teams, Cleveland sitting there at seven and three as a five, Houston six and four with the six seed, Pittsburgh six and four seventh seed, Buffalo six and five at the eight, Indianapolis five and five, Denver five and five, Cincinnati five and five, and Vegas at five and six. Do I believe, and do you believe, that the Denver Broncos and Russ Cook'em Up Wilson <laughs> is better than the Buffalo Bills, the Cleveland Browns? Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, perhaps Indianapolis, perhaps Houston, maybe I, I'm not buying what you're selling just yet. I got to give the Broncos credit where credit's due. Four games is an impressive streak, especially when they were starting off. What one and five? Everybody had written them off at that point, especially after that Miami beatdown. I'm it's a too small of a sample size to convince me. They have the talent. If Russ can continue to play the way he's played uh, as of late, I, I have a little bit more confidence in them. But I'm honestly still a bit snake-bitten snake from last season. Uh, what we saw from these Broncos was nothing impressive last year. 
defense is playing a little bit better right now. Russ is playing a little bit better right now, but they, they've gotten handed some of these games, Antonino. Uh, I mean, Buffalo, Buffalo gave them every opportunity to beat them in that game. Minnesota coming in there mangled with injuries, playing with a third string quarterback, essentially no Justin Jefferson either. So I, I don't think they've gotten anything too impressive for me to, to crown them and anoint them yet as a playoff contender. At the end of the day, playmakers are going to make plays. And I'm going to leave you with this. Russell Wilson has now led 39 game-winning drives in his career, most among active quarterbacks. And he has 31 fourth-quarter comeback wins, 10th most in NFL history. The dude has the clutch gene, and I see that going forward as being something that will notch them a, a handful of wins here uh, going to the finish line. We'll, we'll revisit this audio clip once we get closer to the end of the season to see who was right and who was wrong. In the great words of Russell Wilson himself, Broncos country, let's ride. <laughs> All right, let's move on a second down. They are who we thought they were. But they are who we thought they were, and we let them off the hook. So in this week, we kind of took, uh, took, took some notes here on the Browns versus Steelers. Now, I think going into this game, we both agreed. Terrible offense, good defense from both teams. Uh, what was your analysis? Could break it down a little bit more for me here. Oh, man. Uh, needless to say, I'm not a fan of either of one of these teams. So for me, it was personally the toilet bowl. Um, I knew going in it was probably going to be a low-scoring game. You have Kenny Pickett uh, on one side uh, and Cleveland's defense on the other. Uh, the Browns are starting a rookie quarterback and Dorian Thompson Robinson. DTR. Um, DTR. You know, he did great you UCLA. Like, but we, you like we, that nickname? DTR? DTS? DTR. <laughs> DTR. Yeah, he really came on the scene at UCLA last year, made a ton of big plays, uh, did very well in the preseason. And I think ultimately that's what led to Josh Dobbs getting traded from Cleveland. So it's, it's crazy how that goes full circle. Mm. You think they're regretting that move? <laughs> well, I mean, it's still too early to know, but they did trust DTR enough to give him 43 pass attempts. Now that and, and he outplayed Kenny Pickett, might I add? Ooh, wow, yes. that's that's a feat right there. Any NFL QB outplaying <laughs> Kenny Pickett? Oh, whew. sign me up. Give me more DTR then. Yeah, although it's only what a whopping 165 yards <laughs> passing, but yeah, yeah, I I mean, I was taking a look at the box score of this as well. He. He was serviceable, uh, but honestly, we can give the credit where credit's due to the defense. Dominant defense for Cleveland. Uh, DTR did look good on that last drive, though. He, he got them down the field, threw a, a few passes uh, to David Njoku, set up the game-winning field goal when the score was tied 10-10. Uh, Hopkins came in there, kicked the game-winning kick while time expired. Uh, the lone bright spot, though, with these Steelers, in their offense, like not to, to pivot too much here, but Jalen Warren had a 74-yard touchdown run. He ended up finishing the game with 129 on nine carries. Uh, but, but you were hearing Najee Harris after this game, right? He was kind of complaining. And before you give me your take on that, Najee Harris had 35 yards, 17 of which came on one carry. He averaged 2.9 yards per carry. I don't know why they don't start – Warren over this guy. I get it. He was a first round pick. Perhaps that's a hot take, but Warren has looked like the more explosive playmaker, the more versatile playmaker. Najee Harris just, he reminds me a lot like Trent Richardson. 
another Alabama guy playing on the other team with uh, the Browns back in the day. I don't know if any of you guys remember him, but Trent Richardson had like zero ball carrier vision, ran into offensive linemen with reckless, reckless abandonment, similar to the way Najee Harris plays. But what, what was he saying some stuff after the game there? Yeah, there was a post-game interview, and he said everything short of throwing Kenny Pickett and the whole entire offensive play calling under the bus. It Ooh. was not pretty. Yeah, this isn't the Najee Harris of yesteryear. Yeah. Um, he's not playing well, and he's he's not happy either. But real quick, we, we have breaking news coming across the first and 30 of studio desk. Uh, I, I'm going to chime it in to Antonino, who's on the scene live in Pittsburgh right now. Uh, Antonino, what's going on over there? Nick, Nick, can you hear me? It's, it's pandemonium. Can you hear me? Yeah, 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 yeah. We can hear you. What, what's going on? Give us the update. Pittsburgh, the streets are being flooded. Fans are cheering. They're, they're celebrating. I, I, I think, am I saying this correctly? Matt Canada has been fired as offensive coordinator for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, my goodness. This, this truly is some groundbreaking news. You guys heard it here first. First and 30, Antonino on the scene in Pittsburgh. And just to confirm the reports, yes, Matt Canada indeed has been fired as the Steelers' offensive coordinator. It's all uphill from here for the Steelers and the Steelers fans. We are so excited for all of them. Antonino, thanks for the reporting. Anything else to add there? Thank you. Thank you. Give, give my family my best if I don't survive. <laughs> Oh, well, you heard it here first, folks. First and 30 on the scene. Antonino reporting that Matt Canada indeed has been fired. Uh, do you think this is going to be the turnaround over there, Podfather, uh, with the, the breaking news of Matt Canada's release of the team and his duties as offensive coordinator? I, I think without a doubt, it can't do anything bad there could be no, no negative effect from this i i watched the end of that game uh it was a tie game steelers were driving potentially to put the game on ice and kick a field goal with less than a couple minutes left the offensive play calling was terrible they threw the ball three straight times stopped the clock gave the ball to the browns and they went down the field and got the field goal to win the game. So there's just a couple of things that made no sense. They didn't try a 59-yard field goal. They passed three straight times there at the end of the game. Uh, just didn't make sense to me. So Matt Canada being fired, it's a great sign and a great thing for all Steeler fans everywhere. But there is a tidbit of bad news. Hmm, they exactly. are going into the jungle this week, and they will be playing the Cincinnati Bengals. So I'm sure we'll touch Ooh, more on that later. Uh, but it, hate to burst their bubble but it's all going to come downhill crashing fast. You know what? We're not, we're not going to talk about it later, Antonino, because guess what? It's third and long, which introduces what were you thinking? So I, I want to know, Antonino, what were you thinking when you decided to willingly choose to become a Bengals fan during the height of those bungle days? Uh, and if I'm not mistaken, you were uh, at the game last Thursday to watch your Bengals lose 34 to 20 to the Baltimore Ravens uh, during a blackout in which you decided to wear all white to counter the measures that the Ravens fans were provoking uh, in their home field. So give me your impressions. I think the first thing that I need to hear of what what were you thinking when you saw Joe Burrow uh, walking to the locker room 
and ultimately ruled out of that game with some sort of thumb wrist injury. It's sounding like he's out for the season too. Yeah, I was in fact on site and did witness that in person. Unfortunately, I went to the game in Baltimore, uh, witnessed firsthand, firsthand the terrible Ravens fans. Absolute worst fans Ooh, I know. Purple hey, camouflage oh, everywhere. Yeah, be careful. This, this there's probably going to be some Ravens fans listening in on this. What? Why were they terrible? After, when when they feel a little bit of pressure, that's when they start to break down. I know when Joe Burrow threw that touchdown pass, um, I was cheering, and you had a few people turn around and give me some bad looks, and maybe one person said, uh, you're not welcome here. Um, but I took it all in stride until I sat down, and it was at that point I checked X, formerly known as Twitter, and I noticed that there was mention made that Joe Burrow could not throw the ball on the sideline. So when you're there in person, you don't notice these things happening um, live as they as you might see it on TV with the close-in shots, the zoom-ins, the replays. So watching it live from the opposite end zone, um, you see the touchdown, you start cheering. You, I didn't see him grab that wrist and go to the sideline until I got the news from from X. Hmm. So yeah, it was very that's, unfortunate. That, that's a tough loss. That's a that's a very tough loss. So what's your What's your take now on the Bengals? I mean, they are still technically in the thick of things. Sitting at five and five, we just ran through what the AFC playoff standing and the playoff picture looks like. Uh, but they are on the outside looking in, and without their star quarterback, things could be a little dicey here down the stretch for the Bengals. But you're remaining resilient. You're still uh, you're still buying this this Bengal product, are you not? Yeah, I think we have too much invested in this team. There's too many playmakers, like I said before. Um, we have the tools in place. Um, the talents there, I think Jake Browning, remember this name, Jake Browning, fifth-year player from Washington. He's coming in. He has experience. Let me, let me give you a little tidbit here. He was the Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Year in 2016. So today you're watching Penix for Washington tear it up. He might get Heisman, a Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Year. That was Jake Browning circa 2016. So this guy's played in big games. He's won big games. He played 50-some-odd games for Washington, and now he's coming in very familiar with the system, uh, having beat out Trevor Simeon in the preseason. And then he has weapons around him. So I I have faith. Okay. Well, with the limited action that Jake Browning had in that game against the Ravens filling in for Burrow, he went 8-14, of which is completing 57% of his passes. He threw for 68 yards, which is only 4.9 yards per pass attempt. He did have a touchdown, though. Uh, However, he was sacked three times. A very, very small sample size. A, A little bit too hard and critical to judge the guy this soon on it. I I do have to uh, make a personal jab that I think you might be a wee bit delusional here about your Bengals standing a chance without Burrow. Uh, I would be uh, pleasantly surprised if they could turn this thing around uh, and, and somehow make the playoffs. Because even with Burrow in there, I mean, look, they were four and five heading into that game against Baltimore. They are four and or five and four. I'm sorry. Uh, so it, it's not like they were boasting a, a pretty confident team as it was. Then you get Burrow out and you have this guy coming in. 
I think uh, I think the one thing that you'll be cheering for is a top 10 pick this year, my friend. Yeah, I hope that's not the case. Uh, like I said, we we have the tools in place. We have Joe Mixon running the bar really, really well. Um, unfortunately for us, Zach Taylor being our head coach, he tends to get pass happy. Um, he likes to rely heavy on the pass. But I think having Drake Browning in there now will bring him uh, back to a more of a balanced attack. Um, so play action will work better. Joe Mixon will get more runs every game. Uh, we have the sixth most cap dollars dedicated to the yo line so let's see that get put to use here in protecting this backup quarterback keeping him on his feet um, because as we all know burrow he's he was always dealing with some sort of injuries and um i have a i have a comparison here that m- this might shock some people you know andrew luck retired from the game uh because of the, the the beating his body took and the toll that had on his uh mental and physical state so Andrew Luck, he got sacked 115 times in 55 games. For comparison, Joe Ooh, Burrow, geez. Joe Burrow has been sacked 148 times in 52 games. Mm, that's a recipe for a short career. So if I hope that's not the case. I hope he comes back stronger next year, but yeah, everyone's on edge right about now. Uh yeah, if you're a Bengals fan. Well, Hey, look, I, I want to play a, a fun game. Hopefully get your hopes up a little bit here. Uh, I, I want to go back in our little time capsule here, our little NFL time capsule. Go back in history. Can you think of five quarterbacks who started the season as a backup that came in once the starter got injured and were able to lead their team to a Super Bowl victory? not even talking just playoffs or making it to the Super Bowl. I, I'm saying uh, winning the big, big dance, you know, oh, Win, winning that big one. Five five players. Can you think of any? Oh, boy, I'm so bad at these. I, I put you on the spot last week. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Give, give me the fire. Give me the fire. I got it. Okay, hot seat. Go. Let's see. Number one. Uh, recent. Recent, actually. That's an easy one. I just watched the Eagles last night. Nick Foles came through. And uh, got the job done for the Eagles. So that's that's number one. Yep, 2017 replaced Carson Wentz, I think, in like week 15 against the Rams. Wentz went down with that ACL injury. Foles came in. Rest was history. Philly, Philly special. Yep, you're one for one. Oof, that was the easy one. Next, uh, the GOAT, Tom Brady. Come on now. All right, yep, 2001, Brady came in in week two uh, to replace Drew Bledsoe. Uh, Bledsoe's injury was really severe too but there was a point later in that season where Bledsoe came in for an injured Brady in the AFC Championship game against Pittsburgh and there was some controversy if you don't remember uh, heading into that Super Bowl of whether or not Belichick was going to start Bledsoe over Brady uh, he went with Brady, rest is history uh, one's a goat the other one will always be uh, known as the guy that got hurt for the goat cool, you're two for two can you think of three more big names? Uh, and and for the sake of time, let's see if you can just get one more, and I'll give the, the last two. Oh, boy. So we had Big Dick Nick. We had the GOAT Tom Brady. And then another one would be Grocery Clerk Kurt Warner. Yep. Kurt Warner, 1999. You did your research this week, didn't you, Antonino? I was I'm hoping to, st- <laughs> to stump you on one of them. Yep. Kurt Warner, 1999, replaced injured Trent Green in the preseason. Uh, if you don't recall the press conference where Dick Vermeil was up there basically crying, saying that 
we will support Kurt Warner and he will be our quarterback. <laughs> yep. Rest is history. The other two, which kind of get overlooked, uh, 1990, Jeff, not Jeff, Jeff Hostetler replacing an injured Phil Sims in week 15. Hostetler led his team to a Super Bowl victory over the Buffalo Bills. And then way, way back in 1972, before either you or I were born, Earl Morrill went 11-0 and as a starter in replace of the injured Bob Greasy. And this was during that undefeated season of the Dolphins. A lot of people forget this, that Bob Greasy didn't play a majority of the games that season. It was actually his backup, Earl Morrill. So a uh, little tidbit of history, take you through the time capsule there. Uh, good job, though, Antonio. I, I am wishing your Bengals the best of luck. Before we move on to fourth and forever, anything else to say on your uh, dying Bengals over there? Oh, man. Never dying. Always going strong. <laughs> um, this might be the last time we touch on the Bengals this year, but uh, last thing I want to make note of is that we have a, a some winnable games here. We have Pittsburgh at home coming up. Then we go to Jacksonville, which – you know, warm weather could do us some good uh, that we have the Colts and Vikings both at home. So hmm. that those are, you know, four or five games we could pull out of there and it could change the whole outlook of the playoff race. Well, I do wish them the best of luck. I don't have the same overwhelming confidence that you have. But anyways, Anthony, you know, fourth and forever now, it's time for a uh, Hail Mary. Dropping back in the pocket, looking, there's the Hail Mary, headed for the end zone, and it is caught by a touchdown! Caught by a touchdown! So let's touch on the player or team or coach that uh, had the biggest moment that we saw this week. Uh, what what are you thinking here? I, I, I was looking at the Giants. Were you thinking of the G-Men too? Absolutely. Right in our backyard here in, in Maryland, FedEx Field, we, we mm -hmm. witnessed a, a performance by Tommy DeVito, kind of made us swallow our words from last week when he played your Cowboys. I know, I know. We were, uh, well, I, not we, I was trashing uh, for Tommy DeVito over there. Uh, young Buck had a big turnaround game, went three touchdowns, 246. He completed 69% of his passes. However, one thing that did stick out to me, he was sacked nine times in that game against Ooh. Washington. Yeah. Yikes. Ouch. Uh, but, but, but big turnaround. But what did you like about his game? Anything in particular that stood out to you about his performance against the Commanders? Man, what, what didn't I like about his game? But, but first and foremost, the celebration when he threw the touchdown pass, when he did the what's the matter, you hand gesture after scoring oh, the TD. I missed that oh, one. Oh, man, that's pure gold. I think uh, uh, he, pod, he, pod father approval there. Pure gold. <laughs> I think he might be my new favorite quarterback with Joe Burrow being down. So I'm all for it. I'm all aboard the Tommy DeVito train. Uh, I love it. His Did you know his favorite movie is Too Fast, Too Furious? Okay, now, awesome now, now he's taking some points off for me. I was going to give him a lot of credit here this week, and now you have to tell me that. Uh, a lot of respect lost now for Tommy DeVito. Uh, although <laughs> I think some respect was lost when he uh, – all the, the support about his mother making his bed and cooking his chicken cutlets. It, mm -hmm. He's really uh, buying into that that narrative. <laughs> yeah, he sure is. His favorite food is his mom's chicken parm. And uh, as long as he's throwing for three touchdowns and over 240 yards, don't change a thing. Don't change a thing, Tommy. I guess, I guess. Let, let's try to wrap this up tied in a bow. Be thankful for some things. But 
based off of this Hail Mary, based off of this G-Man game, how can we uh, pull this together with a, a little bit of a, a Turkey Day theme and vibe to it, Antonino? Oh, man, with Thanksgiving coming around, I can't tell you I'm always appreciative for the people that I surround myself with. And I think what we see here today in our podcast episode, our Thanksgiving edition podcast, that we should be thankful for what we have, just like the Giants should be thankful for Tommy DeVito, uh, the same way that Cleveland Brown should be thankful for DTR. Um, Sometimes you don't need that shiny toy or that big name player. Uh, Maybe what you have already is all you need. And just that that handy Swiss Army knife might be exactly what you need to get the job done. And who knows? Maybe you're just a Jake Browning away from taking you to the promised land. Yeah, nope, I agree. Uh, I think kind of pulling it together with being thankful for the opportunity too. you know, Tommy DeVito might not have a lot more of these moments left in him. So I'm sure just being in the moment, thankful for the experience, uh, kind of practicing a little bit of gratitude in that sense and, and understanding that uh, life is ephemeral. You know, stuff like this will, will have an end eventually. So just being grateful that we can spend some time here this Thursday, however you celebrate the holiday. Uh, it might not be the whole traditional way with the turkey and everything, but, you know, whether that's gathering with some friends to play some football Thursday morning or going on your turkey trots, um, spending time with friends, family, or you know, just taking some R&R time to yourself, just kind of practicing some gratitude for the day and knowing that this won't always last forever and you know, taking the moment while you have it. Well, I think that does it. Uh, thank you for joining us for another episode of First and 30. Until next week, remember, when your number is called, no matter the odds, just, just go, go for it. it.